0: Karibu AMG Realtors. We have specialised in selling of land across the country in areas like Nanyuki, Naivasha, Nakuru, Juja, Kagunda Road, Malindi, and the Abadeas. Contact us today for land investment solutions and have your title deed delivered within 60 days upon completion of payment. SMS AMG to two Tab9 or call us on plus two five four seven four eight two two nine. Nine Four One AMG Realtors. We don't just deal in land, we deal in value. First and foremost, I just want to thank you so much, Victoria, for being on the podcast today. And it's a pleasure connecting with you. How are you?
1: Great, thank you. And uh, thank you for having me on your show.
0: You're most welcome. You're most welcome. You know, when I connected with you, shout out to Podmatch, I, I love the way you just articulated your profile and how, how professional it is, because when people see you know positions and they see profiles, they kind of have an example or they, they have a feeling of what to expect. So what I, I knew today I was, was going to expect was nothing but excellence. So I'm, I'm so excited and thrilled to have you here today.
1: Wow, put that pressure on me like for the first minute. <laughs> <laughs> Towards <laughs> <You're> the professional. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing you know like marketing and all that stuff. As you know, if you see my profile for quite some time, so you know, and being professional, you you kind of owe it to your audience um, and to your audience as well as you know my own audience that the, the professionalism and also just give you nothing but like real, authentic truth about what's out there. You know, it's not all that pretty.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I would love to know more about you and I know the audience would love to know more about you. So it would be great if you just give us like a, a quick expo of who you are, who Victoria is and just let us know more about you as we dive into today's topic.
1: Yeah, so I'm just gonna do a two minute version of my whole life. It's most of it is really boring. Um, but I grew up in South Korea. I, I'm a first generation immigrant here, so I came here in my early teens. And uh, my parents believed that uh, there were four daughters. The Korean culture is very male-oriented, so four, they, he had four daughters plus one boy. The boy was the youngest one, and he felt that the girls would have much more choices in life uh, by leaving South Korea. So you know, we we lived a comfortable life. It wasn't like we were super rich or anything, but a comfortable life and came to America at a time when America was also going through a lot of civil discord, kind of like what it is now, you know, there was a lot of violence, it was right after the Vietnam War. So, uh, in that setting, we came here with, um, and after they got here, the Korea, Korea was at that time run by a dictator, So they uh, kind of froze all our assets and we had no money uh, it was like, i think it was like 30 bucks when he whatever money he had in cash you know after he got to la was pretty much what we had to survive on for the first year so the very next day they started working and um, so i kind of grew up with no parents from that point forward and um so when i um, you know they tell you the first thing um the first thing i was told when i came here I mean, there was a lot of things about America that which uh, like my first impression was just so shattered because you see in the movies like this is paradise this is the Promised land and you come here and you know we ended up seeing a lot of violence lots of gunfights at my school because we lived in a real poor area at that time. so basically when I grew up, um, I was told all that time the only way you're gonna reach the American dream is to um, you know do well at school. Uh, go to a nice college, get a degree, and you know some fancy college, and uh, you'll get a great job, and this is your American dream. I didn't really excel in school. I didn't really love it, for one. And um, once I got there, I realized I was climbing the corporate ladder, and I was leaving my my kids at home, um, you know, so that somebody else can take care of my children. And you know, I really craved not having mom and dad around. You know, once I got here. So I started a small company to um, be with my children because I felt like um, that American dream at that time was not for me, like it was never gonna come true. You know, that the, the dream, I the movie version of it was never gonna come true. So as long as I was not gonna make any money and as long as I was always gonna be poor, I might as well at least be a good parent. So I started a small company and uh, that small company, uh, which I actually really worked mostly part time. You know, I worked about 20 to 30 hours a week around my children's schedule. And um, as you know from my profile and my story, uh, that company grew uh, you know, pretty fast. And I ended up with my own TV show. I had a global distribution. My products are today sold, you know, over 35 different countries. And um, and I still spend a lot of time with my children, they're grown now, you know, 29 uh, and 27, and I now have a grandchild. And so, yeah, that's my, so I did reach my American dream. Let's put it this way, even though I wasn't expecting it.
0: Wow. First of all, let me say congratulations. That is a huge, huge, huge achievement because it's like you, you saw something from Of scope that everybody was seeing But you took like another lens And added your own vision to it
1: Yeah, I mean, you know I think um, The lesson you learn from that is You know, I mean I had to redefine my American dream at that My American dream at that time was Even though I was educated And all that, you know, by that point That, uh, you know What was more important to me Most important to me was being with my With my children because that's the one thing I didn't have. That's the one thing that was taken away from me by coming to America. So, but you know, the other thing I wanna say, Flavor is that, Flavor is that um, you, if you put your mind to it, which is what I did, and, and I started my company with no money. You know, I, everybody I knew was poor. My parents were still working, you know, two jobs each. And I wasn't gonna go to my parents who a alone. Um, I was gonna go to their relatives for a alone. Uh, because, you know, that's all they had. So what if I fail? Like, I wouldn't be able to pay it back. Uh, And I wasn't going to borrow for my own future or my children's future at that point. So I had to start my business with no money. And I think in the end, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I had to find, like, 50 different ways to find customers and service them. Um, I mean, I started a jewelry company with no samples. I had no sample. I couldn't make a sample. I didn't have any money so yeah wow power of power of uh, believing in yourself and doing your homework and hard work
0: yeah 100 percent. because you know when we think about entrepreneurs today most of the time they think that we need to have capital to make income we need to have investors to build a fortune but when someone says start a business without money they start thinking, how is that even possible? So their end point becomes their beginning point, and they can't even pass that point in the first place. So how are are you able to train your mind so that you're not thinking about the money, but thinking about the future?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When you go to other countries, especially countries that are not uh, not Western uh, European countries, um, you find, what I found as I traveled all over the world, you know, I've been so blessed, I got to travel to so many countries and meet some amazing people. Um, I found that in America, if you find a problem, the first thing you do is throw money at it, right? But if you're like in Nigeria, Somalia, uh, Brazil, places like that, and something isn't working, well, they don't have money to throw at it, right? Like basically, um, the first thing to do, they try to fix it first on their own without the money. Then if there's nothing else you could do you try to invest a little bit in the problem okay, like if you find that like, our schools are failing in America they just end up you know putting more and more and more money they never get to the bottom of it so our schools are failing more and more every year <laughs> you know what I mean but if you go to like uh, let's say you know uh, another country like South Korea is a great example you if they find you know public schools are not working they're like okay what's wrong with it? And they tried to find ways to fix the problem without the money. So, like, it's very similar in in business. Okay. So, what happened with me? I think it's easier to tell my story um, rather than trying to give you a lecture about how you start a business with no money. I found out that uh, I, I, when I first came to America, first of all, you, the, you can start a business with no money, but what you do need to do though is you have to understand who your target market is. Because when you don't have money, you definitely can't spend every minute you have trying to please everybody out there. you got to find a couple of people that you know is going to need your services, and then you're going to be better at it than anybody else out there. Okay, so that's the first thing. But once you do that, so how do you even know if your target market you know who your target market is you know a lot of people start their businesses and you know they start to advertise on Facebook Pinterest all these you know all these things and then they they see what happens well the problem with that is you know like if I had to ask you like right now okay you own a jewelry company favor and you say uh, you know I asked you today like you know Create a Facebook ad right now to see, like you know, create a design, a bunch of designs, and create a Facebook ad. What would you? What would that ad say? If that ad says, "Well, you know, I'm favor I have this wonderful, you know, experience in jewelry, and you know, I have this beautiful jewelry items for all of you women out there, and it's 25 percent off." Well, you know what? You haven't talked to a real single woman then, because you've talked to every woman. Right. Because women get it, get get that ad all the time. But if you were to say something like, hey, I designed a, a beautiful you know, uh, collection of jewelry that reflects your personality so that when you're out and about playing and you're out and about exploring the world, um, you can wear this jewelry you know, and it's very affordable because when you travel, you don't wanna have you know, the stress of wearing all this stuff. Now you're talking to women who have money, who are traveling, who are practical, right? That's completely different. Then you know, and then so like you could you could have a lot of fun with it, it's personality reflective. So this is a independent thinking woman who is looking for this joy when she's traveling. Okay. So when I started my company I realized back uh, back in nineteen eighty nine, um, in eighty nine you're you probably weren't even born then. So I'm just gonna tell you what it was like. In eighty nine, women this was the first generation of women going to work outside the home, leaving their children with nannies and so forth. Before then, in America, you know, the guy went to work, the wife stayed home, uh, and if she went to work, she was like a receptionist or coffee girl. There actually used to be a title called uh, Girl Friday. Uh, she came in on Fridays to handle things. Um, so we were the first generation of people that had titles like marketing managers, you know, uh, director of finance kind of thing. We weren't, none of us were vice presidents yet. But there was a huge guilt factor there, and you know, all of, a lot of us women didn't even know what to wear, so we wore like little mini suits. Uh, if you see movies from the 80s, you'll see like we all wore like Robert Talbot kind of suits um, and had white press, you know, button-down shirts like our guys. Um, so I realized at that time, the women who were going to work, number one, she had money now. She's making her own money. Number two, she had to look good every day she went to work. And number three, you know, this there was no jewelry out there that catered to that working woman because jewelry was so fancy. You know, it was sold on um, like a what do you call it? A, a status. You know, I went to Tiffany's and got this two-carat ring, and you know, it was never really about having personality, being practical, just a little sparkle. So I created a line. I felt that there was there was a, uh, you know a market for it, but nobody actually had it out there. So I was thinking, well, hmm, is there really a market for it? Maybe women don't want jewelry that's inexpensive, you know, and practical because jewelry is a luxury item. So was I going to spend ten, fifty thousand $50,000? Because every uh, sample would have cost me like 300 to $500. It's gold, you know, and something. Was I going to spend, so if I spend $500 in 10 pieces, you know, that's already $5,000. You can't go to a store and try to get, you know, a, a read. And so I thought, you know what, that's really stupid because I would have to do design like 30 pieces and uh, just to see if people like it. That's an absolute fortune. And so I just like really created a beautiful, like a notebook a I created, I just, you know, painted them. Uh, I had a 3d looking you know so I had a 3d version I had a top view, the side view so they can actually see and an actual life size make it actually it almost feels like they can actually put a finger to it. And so I created about 50 of them and then I went to stores and I, you know and then I was very honest with them I, you know I first of all back in those days I was a kid and I looked like you know I just when I came out of high school and I just told these people like you know' I'm, I have no business like at all being here. I don't understand the business, but I have dreams of working in a fashion, like a fashionable jewelry company someday. So since you guys, I went to the Neiman Marcus um, on Wadale Drive, but that's where Hollywoodville, I lived in LA, it was about 20 mi- miles from my house. So I asked people like, you know, you see some of the best jewelry out there, you know, if you can just indulge me, just look at it if you can and let me know what you think. And, you know, I'm just standing in front of their face and just being really nice about it, um, being completely honest. And so the assistant manager of the, the department store, like, you know, she just went through the stuff. she's like, oh, my God, these are beautiful. We can sell all of these things today if I had the samples. So um, and I thought, you know, and I said, well, how much could I get for it? She's like, it doesn't even matter. I mean, they'll pay whatever price you put on there, you know. And then I realized, OK, these people are crazy. Because most people I know would think twice about spending 20 bucks on anything. <laughs> you know, most people, I knew personally. And so then I went to other stores. I went to the Saks Fifth Avenue, which was right across the street from it. I got exactly the same response from her. And uh, so then I went to all the stores in other areas. And then I ended up with like eight designs that I felt that I, you know. And then when I went to like, uh, you know, like May Company, which is which is now Macy's. Um, they were like, you know, yeah, you know, if you had it for like uh, $200, I could sell it, but if you had it for $300, I couldn't, you know. So they basically gave me, you know, the outline stores gave me like a price range. So by the time I actually got samples there, I actually had orders out for, uh, for the drawings so and it wasn't you know it was still risky because i still had to the samples had to look like the drawing obviously the drawings were beautiful um and i had to depend on the manufacturers to deliver like sometimes they look at the the problem i had a lot of times is that my samples were my designs were very complex in that you know there was a lot of fluidity romanticism that it wasn't like circles and triangles so just the slow curves like i didn't think about it at the time I thought well you know they see it and they can make it well I found out later on you know it was I mean I kind of lucked out in the first few um, you know orders back and forth but I would say that I did like sort of a focus group you know I didn't know what I was doing at that time I just did it because I didn't have any money Um, and I didn't even really realize that that was kind of like marketing you know when I was talking to women, you know, I basically my, you know, I would tell people, you know, a lot of women feel guilty leaving home with their kid, you know, their, their daughters for the first time. It's just like heart-matching. So, you know, I basically said like if she wanted to wear something to differentiate herself from all the other women out there, uh, she wanted to, you know, show that she was successful and that she had, she had taste and she was, she was classic because you can't go there with like, fancy diamonds, you know, to work just a little gold, a little, little pick-me-up, and she needed it, like, you know, pretty much a lot of it, because you can't wear the same thing all the time, um, and then when you're done with it, because it's high quality, and it's very personality reflective, that you could pass it on to, it's high enough quality, you could pass it on to your your daughter, like, you know, for an heirloom piece. So, it you know, I, I didn't have any competition when I first started it, because, you know, the other thing, too, is When you talk to people, you know, in your marketing, and I'm sure you know this because you do digital marketing, um, a lot of the things that people say about their company, you know, and I see this all the time with small entrepreneurs beginning for the first time, Um, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they start their company, number one, they start either making samples or their product, whether even if it's like an online course, they rarely test it. They believe this is that the... Things in slice of bread, I guarantee you, you're gonna have to pivot like five times before you actually find the product you're gonna end up selling. Okay, you know, that's for sure. You gotta learn to pivot. Number two, a lot of times you think, oh my god, I'm you know, if you're a digital marketing agency, I'm, I'm dealing with all these mega marketing agencies or you invent like a new type of, you know, uh, soft drinks and you're like, I'm dealing with Coca-Cola or whoever, you know, maybe you're a chiropractor and you, you say like, I'm starting new, I don't have any customers. So you start to, on your website, you start to talk about yourself, your experience, you know, let's say you're doing hardwood floors, you know, there's home decor, like a home improvement's huge. they'll say something like, you know, we're the fourth generation, you know, uh, you know, carpenters and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we've served this community for 30 years. And, you know, I've done this and I've done that, you know, when you when you make it a lot about yourself, even though you're saying it to gain respect and trust from people, because, you you know, you're thinking, oh, you know, they don't know who I am. And they um, I need to get more than the 30 people I know, you know, my family and friends and, you know, colleagues. How do I get the, the three thousand people? So you you start to sound like you're bigger than you are. You start to sound like your your company's been around older than you. You know, it's a lot about yourself, not because you are like show me person, but you feel like you need to say that to your customers so that you can gain trust and respect. And I say be very careful because instead of doing that, if you say something like. So let's say we're talking about hardwood floors, and somebody comes in and it's flooring. Comes in and you know they they're checking out all the websites. They're tired of you know in COVID times, going from a store to store to store to see if right. So they're even if they're gonna go to a physical store, they're gonna still research you know the category on the internet. So when they say you know we're the fourth generation, and then if everybody says it, they're like oh my god, like how many fourth generation people are out here, right? <laughs> But if you said something like, hey, if you've been, you know, if you're exhausted looking for flooring options for your home, if you've been considering uh wood floors and you're confused with the plastic, the veneers, the natural wood, all the benefits of it, uh, if you want to know if, you know, how much this, these things cost, then you've come to the right place. So now instead of saying we, 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 I said you, you, you. Right, so if you've been looking, so I'm not. It's like I'm talking to you, And I'm in like, oh my God, I'm finally here. Like somebody understands my pain. Somebody understands I am exhausted looking at, like there's like 50 kinds of hardwood floors. There's colors, there's thicknesses, and there's, you know, durability. There's cost. Like I, and I'm just exhausted. You know, I just want to simply do my bedroom a different option, and you know, I'm not sure if that's gonna go with my tile. Blah blah blah. So. The word you is the most powerful word in marketing. You have to validate, you got to understand who you're talking to, right? So you're not talking to just everybody, you're talking to people who have already been looking for a car before. And you, you know, by thinking about it, you're like, okay, number one, they're homeowners, because they're looking, obviously, they've got some money. <laughs> and number two, that means they're probably working a job or two, especially if they're millennials. You know, how do they afford a home? Number three, you know, they, they, they're gonna be cautious about their money. So the more information, you know, so they're they they do not have time, maybe they've got a couple of kids. So again, like if you so it's a, I always think about two things. Number one, Maya Angelou's um, she, she's had a lot of different kinds of sayings, but the one she talks about, you know, people will forget about what you said. They'll forget about what you what you what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So if you make them feel like you're a friend, you understand, you've taken the time to understand what, who they are, what they need, and how you can help them, you don't have to sell anything. They'll come flocking to you. They'll bring their friends to you. That's the, that's the first thing. So be careful about how many eyes and we's you have and when you're talking to people, too. How many times you say the word I? And I'm going gonna, gonna to demonstrate that a little bit later. Like when I'm on TV, I, I do that a lot. And the number two is um, I loved. I have three sayings, and one of one, one is by Nelson Mandela. And you know, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed today, for sure. But back when I was doing it, it was very overwhelming too. You have no money. I have no friends. Um, my parents couldn't help me. They didn't even speak English. They couldn't help me even with my math. You know, I, really. So you're. Know, it's very like scary to. You have your degrees and you think, oh my god, I could just go get a job, but then I started my company, what, what am I doing here? You know, like, am I bankrupting my company with all the degrees, how selfish I am? So it could be really overwhelming, but, and you'll go through months where you'll do something and, and, and it just flops for whatever reason. For no reason whatsoever, it just flops. And you know, you, you're getting no money and you're, you're feeling like, geez, like, this is really stupid when those times come, I always go back to this uh, phrase that Nelson Mandela said, and he said that everything seems impossible until it's done. So when things look impossible, I mean, the man was, what, in prison for 30 years or something, but he had a mission, right? And it seems, seems impossible, like right up to the 30th day, until the 30th year, you know, until it's done. So. You know, so for number one, don't ever give up. And number two, like not getting it done is not even an option. So you better start doing something. Because when you do something, you will learn. You will either succeed or you will learn how to do it better next time. So um, that's, you know, pretty much how you start a business with no money. and That's kind of deep. like.
0: It's what you want <laughs> That is so deep I feel like someone that has probably Just been sinking And just listening quietly And just taking it all in Because you know When you hear Successful entrepreneurs And business women Like you Who are doing this Decades on decades You know It's like There's one simple formula That people tend to forget Which is consistency And especially Especially in today's time Yeah Especially in today's time There's a lot of Imposter syndrome like oh what if they don't like it oh is this color too bad is this font too big you know they're so over analytical on what they're doing and like you said with the quotes one of the favorite quotes i also got to to see is that you know people underestimate how much they can do in five years but they overestimate how much they can do in one year so it's like they they don't understand how those two should work together but at the end of the day that consistency comes in so somebody who has that imposter syndrome and wondering what do people think especially like you said with no friends with no associates how do they stay in the lane knowing that their goal is to make sure that they can spend time with family you know have passive income and they can enjoy their life that they deserve because they worked hard for it yeah and i
1: think here's the other thing too uh favor i think that when um you get I mean in this thing you do need analytics to run your business. I mean you do need to know how much money you're making versus how much money you're spending. But I would uh, you know where I come from in South Korea, I, mean, I wouldn't say it's all South Korean culture, but at least in my family and in the little village that I came from, we don't we don't define success by how much money you have or how famous you are you really define a success by um like a whole lots of things the first thing is your health if you don't have any health you you know it doesn't matter how much money you have you're just going to die you know you're going to some and you're dying slowly or you're dying fast (laughs) either way number two is the quality of relationships you have so all the money you have you have no friends and you know you have no good cause um, and you're just living an unpurposeful life uh, that you know it's unfulfilling so, quality good relationship especially with your, uh, you know, parents and your children and people who are close to you, because they will eventually lift you through everything that life has to offer. You know, life is full of surprises that we we don't expect, and that's that's what makes life beautiful. You know, our ability to come through those events. Um, and then the third thing is wisdom. It's like uh, wisdom, almost like a moral compass. You know, your ability to have a, you know, a spine. or more, what, what do you stand for? you know, ability to know what's right or wrong um, and you have instinctively, you know, there were so many times in my life, like, you know, my business is pretty huge. I mean, I've done over $500 million and in that time, there were so many pressures by, you know, corporate America because most of my customers are businesses to reduce the quality a little bit like nobody's gonna see it you know if you use um you know tanzanites that are you know grade um you know uh, instead of triple a use you know double a plus or you know things like that because you know i'm we're selling over a million pieces of jewelry a year so if i could make if i could save two dollars i'd make two million dollars off of it just by looking the other way My thing is like, no, because, you know, the reason why my business is here at all is because those people trust me and they trust me because I've never lied to them. And even if they can't see it, I can see it and it bothers me. So, no, I'd rather not make the money, you know, like if I know that I'm and if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to say, you know, I'm I've had to reduce the quality a little bit. I'm going to say it on TV. I'm going to say it that, you know, hey, like this year, this month, you know, I couldn't find the better quality. Um, and so it's not the same as last year, but it is lower price. So, you know, I, yeah, I'm not going to lie to them ever. So I think that wisdom is, you know, that same same thing with like your personal relationship as well. So the, the ability to it's hard when the, the bigger the stakes, that it's harder it is to have that wisdom consistently. And then the, and then the fourth thing is consistency. And then the last thing is money. You know, the the money does make things easier. Money does make it easier for you to help other people.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it does make it easier. You know, it buys you a little bit of uh, sanity and you know a little bit of um, stress relief, so that you can enjoy that time with your family. So, I think I was lucky that I was kind of grounded in, in that way. And I think that um, entrepreneurs sometimes, if you're only looking at numbers, and you know, you're looking at customers as numbers. You know, and you're when you're placing ads, for example, you say, "Oh my God, Facebook, you know, has horrible return rates." And you know, you're um, gonna, you know, blast like a hundred thousand people. so You can get a thousand people to, you know, buy something from you. You gotta know you're better off knowing the hundred people that you know who they are, rather than playing those numbers. Yeah. So, you know, my thing is get to know them, and you don't have to be perfect. You know, America As you know, you're an immigrant, I am. And what, I, I'm not sure if you agree with this or not, but one thing that I do know about America is like, they'll give you a fair shake if you are, you don't have to be perfect. In fact, Americans hate perfect people. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no perfect people. You know, we are in, we are old enough, wise enough to know there is no perfection. Like yeah. This is part of a, our journey to find to improve ourselves so america actually will give somebody who's trying their hardest to please you to please them even if they're not perfect and even if they're a little bit more expensive you know if you got a heart-wrenching personal journey you're trying hard to feed your family you're trying hard to please them um they're going to give you a fair shake maybe they won't be like buying everything from you but you know they'll say you know what like I have a chance to support a local business person who, like, is literally, you know, trying his rear end off, and um, you know he's not any much more expensive. Um, I'd rather give him the money. Okay, like, it's full of, you know, they, they they root for the underdogs. They root for the guy who tries their hardest. Now, if you try hard and you're, you're 300% more than everybody else, they can't afford to support you. You've got to find a better way to serve them. Mm-hmm. But I would say if you're authentic and you've got an amazing story and you sh- and your storytelling is huge. Um, so like, I just want to say this. When I'm on TV, here's an example of what happens. Like successful people who are on TV, like, you know, uh, when you're on TV, we're judged on a dollars per minute. So we have to figure so many dollars, it's just several thousand dollars a minute, every minute you're on. So, this is why most people who are on TV pitching something, you know, they last like two shows, if, they, if that. So, 24 years in a row is a lot of time on it, okay? So, usually, um, you know, people who, you always know who's gonna last a long time or not. Some people will come on, like, they're like, you know, so let's say they're selling jewelry. And, uh, you know, the person before me comes on and says, oh, my God, I'm so happy to be here. You know, like, I'm just so happy, like, that spring is here now and, you know, that we can go out and, you know, like, celebrate finally. You know, I, and as a matter of fact, I was uh, over at the Oscars the other night and, you know, and I was, you know, fun with people, like, commenting on my jewelry. And, you know, I designed this and I won this award and I you know, did all of this work, you know, stuff and I travel I was on a yacht and you know, people were just all over the place over me, like, you know, and it's like two million dollar piece of jewelry, but you could have it today for two hundred dollars. Okay. So that's one way to do that. By telling I mean I've probably exaggerated a little bit, but a lot of people actually say something kind of like that. Like they want to establish themselves, you know, they want awards you know stuff. You know, you have to understand like if you're on it every month, you're saying this every month. So our customers are listening to, oh my God, I already heard that already. She already won the damn award. Like, stop talking about it. Like, what's in it, in it for me, right? So I would come on and I would say something like, hey guys, I, I'm, it's so beautiful outside. I can't wait to see you guys go out there and actually meet your girlfriends for the first time in two years. And when you do that, you can just have a little perk me up. You don't have to ba- you know, break your bank or anything, like a little perk me up, little something. To permeate your optimism and your personality like you used to, and you know what, um, I don't, you know, I know, I don't know about you, but I love nature and all these because you know, nature is still beautiful. Mother Nature is the, the, you know, the master artist of all time, and this entire collection was you know inspired by nature, so that you could have it. Nature has been here a billion years before us. You could have it a billion years from now. So let me explain to you what's in here now. You know. And so this way, I'm talking about you, you, you. So you know something like, when you have your Thanksgiving dinner and you have your family, your friends over, you know, you don't want to be ostentatious. You want to, you don't want to be showy. By the way, they already know you. They already know that you are a savvy shopper. So have something a little, a little something that that is going to memorialize that year's you know Thanksgiving dinner. So again, when you talk like that, you're showing the ultimate respect to that customer. The problem is a lot of times people who are on TV, like, you know, myself included, those of us who have been on there for a long time, you make really good money. Okay? You make really good money. Um, you're a lot more you know, wealthier than a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who are not on TV, especially if you're you know, lucky enough to have been at as many years as I have. Then they forget where they came from. They're always talking about how, you know, like their life is so great. And you're like, who cares? <laughs> you know, who cares? Mm-hmm. What are you doing for them? Because that little lady who's watching you, she is the boss. She's the boss. She knows what she likes. She knows what she's going to pay for it. She knows who she's going to buy from, right? Mm-hmm. So again, going back to understanding who your target market is, how you message them, and how you emotionally connect with her. Because you have to have millions of people fall in love with you first, then your product you know then you don't have to do a whole lot. You know, did you know that I've done you know I've done over 500 million dollars and I've
0: spent like
1: less
0: than 10,000 dollars in advertising
1: in 33 years. Wow. Yeah. That's a blockbuster. Yeah, it's not organic. So
0: you know people people underestimate organic for some reason. I feel like if there's a reason, I don't know what reason there is, but people don't like to seed grow like people want to plant a tree and expect to you know pluck mangoes after 24 hours it's not possible but people want that longevity but they don't see that longevity as patience as practice as re- repeat and rinse you know rinse and repeat you know testing as well
1: yeah well favor i think i know the answer because people don't i don't think they underestimate organic i think they don't understand it um it's harder to grow something organically, yeah. You know, they think that. You know, it's if you think about it, it's hard to understand. Um, you know, understand who your target audience is. Okay, so like in my in my experience, you could say I sell jewelry, and they're like, oh, great. Like you know, she's got it easy. You know, women love jewelry. Okay, well, not all women love jewelry. I know a lot of women don't like jewelry at all. Um, and then you're like, what kind of jewelry? Because you know, I have friends who are like, you know, well, why stop there? Men love jewelry too. You know, it's, isn't that men who buy for women? So you know, you could actually have the whole world in your hands. Well, yeah, but then if then you're talking to nobody. Mm-hmm. If you say, you know, I got this wonderful, what are you gonna say? You know, you can buy for your wife and then you're like, are you talking to the gay guy or the a straight guy? What about a single guy who just wants to buy for his mother? I mean, you know what I mean? like. you you have to understand who you're talking to, what your purpose is, what your passion is. If you don't have a passion for something and your passion is just money, it's never gonna come, because you're never gonna understand. You know, but let's say you were in, um, I actually have a student, uh, her name, uh, well, she sells CBD oils. And you know, she basically had a really tough life. She lost both her parents pretty young, and then she had to be the mother and the father to her younger siblings. And she suffered from anxiety, like major stress. and I mean, she was like a teenager when she lost both of her parents. Major anxiety, all this stuff. And she's gone through every doctor, every psychologist. And she said, the more experts I saw, the more I suffer. So as a last resort, she tried CBD oils and it worked for her. And so now she's like, oh my God, like I work during the day. I go and buy all these high quality CBD. You know, I wasn't going to put any, even it's oils. I don't want to put anything that's going to, that's going to be toxic for me so you know like i went to the farm and you know i saw them cut the plant all this stuff and so she said i've been like passing out cbd oils to people that uh wouldn't try it you know like just for just for free I, i i don't want anything from it i just want people to live without pain okay then she's been doing it so much of it she actually ended up buying a farm and doing this so when you are when you have this kind of a passion about something she already had a uh, candle like business and you know she, other businesses like that are very successful. But she said, "This is my mission. Like this is." I find out that eighty percent of the American public actually live with some sort of emotional or physical pain. Like even when you go to the gym and you come back, you, you know, you're you, you're in some kind of a pain for a little bit. So she, this has been her mission, and um, you know, like she, it's interesting because I've I've seen her grow from nobody. Like, literally, she didn't have any customers, and she said, I don't want to use my candle customers, like, I don't want to use my customers from the candle, because they're different people. Like, they're younger people, they want to have, you know, romantic dinners, and, you know, things like that. They're they're a completely different profile. So, she said, I just want to, I just want to see, like, I want to have people who are suffering from pain just have a place to talk to each other, Okay. She created a, a, a community of people just so that they could just get on a Zoom, talk to each other about, you know, like arthritis pain or whatever pain that they have. Like it could be emotional pain. Do you know she built a, a, a community of 100,000 people? You know mm-hmm. why? No advertising. She did it twice a week. And what happened was the first time she said nobody showed up. Second time she had like two people show up. Third time she had like four people show up. And she said, you know, and then like fifth time she had nobody show up. But she was consistent in doing this because she believed that there was people out there, you yeah. know. And um, she said, you know, if somebody, nobody showed up, I ate my sandwich. You know, I still had the Zoom on for like three hours, you know, and did my thing. Because I promised them I was going to be there, you know. If so, if one person showed up, I was going to still be there. So after she got 400 people, um, she ended up getting, you know, she basically told everybody, hey, like, you know, we want to share this Community with other people. If you know anybody else who might use it, I'm not selling anything. I just want people to be able to talk to each other. So they all brought other people. So once she got the 4,000 people, you know, all of a sudden, like you know, she's got this huge community of people, um, and you know, now she's got a very healthy business. But from 400, like 40, the first 40 or so, she said it took her like six months. But from there to the next four hundred was like three months and from there to like the four thousand was like two months. So she said from there to ten thousand was like two weeks. Now those people, you can't chase them. They're like, you know, if I don't hold those community events, like they'll show up at my door because they <laughs> you know so uh the I mean she can now sell she won't sell her list to anybody, you know, she was very protective of her, her you know, clients but You know, she's got a very, very healthy CBD business. Um, And so, you know, I'm actually going to help her uh, now to take it to the next level, like to the eight figures now. But she's grown. And it's a hard business to grow because there's all these regulations in certain states. You can't like market it and all this stuff. Right. You can't actually have a CBD.com or anything like that. Like it's because there are so many states that, that will just block you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's about 20 states that CBD is actually illegal, even though, you know, Harvard and Forbes and all these other people have like shown the benefits of it, and you're not injecting it orally, uh, but. It's, it's a It's a difficult business, but she's like, you know what? I'm just not gonna apologize for it. I, I know there's a market for it and I know I'm providing the highest quality and I'm always doing research and all that stuff. She grows everything right here in the United States in California actually. Um, so the point I'm making is that um, jewelry is also very hard. Uh, you, you can go from here to Zimbabwe to you know um, I don't know, you know Saudi Arabia, China, there's always a Chinese restaurant and a jewelry store in every corner of the world. It, that's a, that's a fact. And uh, so it's, it's heavy competition. And I started my company with no money. It's, it's a business that requires a lot of money to start. You need a safe, you need all this stuff, you need insurance. Um, started up with no money. You know I can go through, I'll make it even more simple than that. The people that are now running our lives, we're talking like Google, um, Apple Microsoft Facebook okay these are all businesses that started by people with no degrees uh, none of them went to none of them have a college degree and all of them started their companies with under $5,000 think about that and in our generation by the way
0: that's deep
1: astounding right mm-hmm. it is that's I mean deep. it's astounding but it is inspirational and all of you listening right now, I want you to understand one thing. Somebody in in your audience right now could be the next Facebook. That could be the next, you know, I mean, Starbucks was started with less than a thousand dollars by two teachers who, you know, who just needed to grade papers all day. Um, I mean, that's a multi-billion-dollar company. They've changed the world. You know, Starbucks is really interesting because I remember. Uh, life before Starbucks. I mean, it's hard to imagine life before Starbucks, but I do. You know, McDonald's, uh, most of your um, like a diners, like Denny's, um, you know, chicken places would just give you co- coffee for free if you ordered a meal. But if you were driving through, it was like 39 cents, okay? Starbucks comes along, charges five bucks a coffee, and there's a line out the door just to buy the coffee. So they've, in their case, they didn't, you know, like come up with this, you know, they came up with this product that everybody uses already. But they've elevated the customer experience. You get it your way, and I, they thought, oh, this is so expensive. Like everyone's gonna come and order their coffee exactly the way they want. Is this guy crazy? Well, maybe he was crazy, but <laughs> you know, are <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank, right? That's the power of understanding your customer. You know, yeah. understanding what they need. You know, if they were just going to buy it for 39 cents, they weren't going
0: to come there. You know, they understood what their customers were. So That's deep. I, I feel like this episode has really opened a lot of eyes, doors and ears. Because now just listening to you, it's it's like they're wondering, okay, so what have I been doing all my whole life? <laughs> like, what, what has been going? What is the missing link? And I feel like listening to this is going to open up those doors that's going to make them think outside the box and not think about their passion as a hobby but a passion as a profitable business they can acquire over the years.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I can't sit here and guarantee that anybody is going to make a whole lot of money. But if you try, you know, your best at, try to understand who you're serving because if you serve other people they will come, they'll find you they'll bring, they'll drag in 10 people. Yeah. you know, the last time you bought anything that you like, if you went to a movie and you thought it was gonna be a dog, but you went there anyway because everybody made you go, and you're like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna go bring my paperwork with me, and I'm gonna go there because, just to make everybody happy, and you go, wow, that was a great movie, and it was only you know five bucks. Not gonna what the heck happened. You sell, t- you tell ten people, go, oh my god, like it was great, uh, or sometimes like you'll go, you know, you might be on a trip somewhere. And this happened to me when I was in Asheville, North Carolina. I um, I ended up in Atlanta, and I had a customer, and um, the, it was raining, and they canceled my flight. So they canceled my flight, and I was like, okay, I needed to come back. I need. I, it was like a one-day trip, and I, you know. I, they canceled it, so I went to the car, and I started driving, and, um, and it was like a five-six-hour drive. I went through a high point, North Carolina, all these different places, and I ended up in Asheville for the night. And it was interesting because I told my husband I had not been there, and he said, you know, where are you going? I said, I have no idea, but I'm, like, right now, my hotel is in Asheville, North Carolina. And I said, I have no idea what this place is going to look like or if they're going to have anything to eat, you know, like, because I'm pretty picky about what I eat. Um, And I said, um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not looking forward to it at all, but I've got to tell you, like, I got to sleep somewhere, I, you know, it's hard for me to drive, you know, in this thundering rain. Ended up in Asheville, didn't even bother, like, looking around, it was pitch black. I got into the hotel, went to sleep. The next morning, I had to drive out. It was the most beautiful place I'd ever seen, and I've traveled a lot of places. I mean, all the streets were cobblestone. It was almost like uh, like I woke up in the middle of a Disneyland, like, a page, you know? People were so nice. Um, and I was, I said to my husband, you know what? I don't think, when we retire, we're coming here. Like it's, he's like, you're like a major psycho. Like yesterday, <laughs> you we're breaking, you know, that this morning you're like, we're retiring. You're like, what, what happened to you? Um, what did you eat for breakfast? Because I think I was expecting, you know, but it was beautiful. And to this day, I tell everybody I meet who's going anywhere near there, you know, you gotta stop in Asheville. It is literally like Geneva. Um, it's gorgeous. It's right here in America. You know, I tell everybody. So it's like, you know, whenever... In your business, if you completely far exceed um, their expectations and they feel like they got great value, they will tell 10 people. They're so proud of discovering this new thing that, you know, this is how companies grow organically. Yeah. So I just want all of you... I don't want you to be discouraged. I, I know that... Um, whenever I speak, you know, I get asked to speak a lot. And when I do, a lot of people have said that my story is inspiring, that I'm an encouraging speaker, you know, things like that. I don't want to be inspiring. I don't want to be encouraging. I want, because inspiring people, encouraging people, they don't end up in action. Okay. Only actions will end up in results. You know, it's like when you walk, when you walk by a homeless person, you know, somebody who's sitting there in the cold and you know they've got no clothes and you know how could you not feel bad you feel horrible you know it stays with you for like you know stay, like you, you're walking to a nice restaurant you see people it stays with you but if you if you feel bad and you talk to you know whoever you're walking with oh my god that's horrible did you see that guy you know like i wonder what happened We you talk to him all the time you go to dinner and you say how blessed we are all this stuff you haven't changed anything for that guy Right. Right. I haven't changed anything. So me encouraging everybody, I haven't changed anything. So what I would like you to do is do right now, today, starting today, do at least one thing that you could do to help yourself. And that could just be just setting a goal that's realistic. That could be, you know, I'm all about the next measurable action every single day. You know, when I first came here and I thought, oh, okay, well, American Dream is completely out of my reach. It's never ever going to come, honestly. Like, it's never going to come, period. So, but I could somehow, maybe I won't reach the American Dream, but I could do something. I don't have to live miserably. I could do something to help myself today. And for me, that thing was to learn to speak English. So, you know, I, I, I had my dad, give me a like an English to English dictionary, it was like $5 or something. And, you know, he would circle all these words, like randomly, all the way from A to Z, um, things like words that were less than five letters. Mm-hmm. So that I, you know, cause I was a young kid and he, you know, that was my homework. So every day I, you know, I figured without speaking English, I, I'm never gonna have any friends cause I can't communicate with them. I had to draw like things I out, like hold it out so I could tell people I could go to the toilet or something. So I had to learn, so every day so like when I started my company you know my goal was to spend time at home with my kids and um, so I thought you know what can I do to improve my life I started my company and then the other thing I have got to tell you is that so after I started it, I was like okay it's completely unrealistic to work for 20, 20 hours a week in my own business because like if I call a bunch of stores at, from 9 to noon Monday, Wednesday, Friday for example and they call me back at three o'clock. What am I going to do? Not answer the phone? I'm going to answer the phone. And then in those days we didn't have cell phones, so I'm like, then you can't go outside the home because if what if the phone rings? So I'm actually like tied to to inside the thing. So you know, I thought, okay, you know, I need to find a better way to organize my time here. So what what should I do? So you know, basically when I got up at. Five thirty, six o'clock in the morning coming from an immigrant family, you know what time it is back home. Like, like whenever I talk to my aunt, uh, my dad used to allow us to talk to my aunt, like one day, like 10 minutes a month. And he would look at the the cheapest uh, phone rates back, back those days. So I thought, you know what? Like, it's gotta be like daytime sometime, like, you know, noontime or so somewhere around the world. Yeah. And so 6 a.m. California time was like noon time in London. And in fact, uh, it's noon time in 53 countries around Europe. So, you know, like 11 to 2 p.m., depending on which time zone. So I started like faxing them right, right about, you know, faxes. They didn't answer the phone, I found out. They would actually look at what came through the faxing machine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, And faxes were cheaper. They went in like six seconds, it was down. So I actually ended up opening Harrods London, Gabby's Lab. We had all these stores. Um, so I had a global business because I worked from 6 a.m. to 8 o'clock every morning because um, that was like midday for them. And then dropped my kids off. You know, started working from 10, a, 10 a.m. again. Like you know, dropped them off, came back. I had a little breakfast. And then I worked from that time until 2 o'clock. So I worked East Coast, like uh, New York is three hours ahead of us. And then when the kids, when I picked, up, picked them up at 2 o'clock, from 2 to 8 p.m., I didn't do any, I didn't care if they called or not. I, did, I didn't do anything. And then when they went to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock after homework, um, 9 p.m. California time is noon, 11 o'clock, um, Tokyo and South Korea. So I opened those doors. So I, I had a very uh, global business before, anybody even understood what the global business was at that time. <laughs> just out of necessity right but it did allow me to spend you know 8am to like the times that my kids were with me I was a full peasant mom you know the whole time and I never stopped doing that until even when they went to college wow Yeah.
0: this is beautiful I feel like people are going to take action after listening to this and they should because there's no way you can listen to this for an hour and not be (laughs) motivated to move
1: yeah, you know the other thing I do is you guys can all come um, to my my website and you can sign up for uh, the free webinars. I don't do a lot of them. Uh, they're very impactful. They're usually okay. like an hour or so, and you do learn to do one thing. Like, you know, you'll see all the titles of the website, titles of the webinars. But you know, I am uh, I have two books that are releasing next year. And I do speeches. And then, of course, I'm still on TV uh, right now. Plus, I have my own podcast. So, um, pretty busy. <laughs> and, I'm, and I still don't want to work more than 25 hours a week. So, but the webinars are completely free. I, I don't ask you to buy anything. Uh, but it, it, these are all the skills that I feel like I had to eventually master for me to build a small, like a small empire. So building an empire, you're going to need to master certain skills, especially if you are not going to be like a, a mega business. Like, you know, most of us who start our businesses start with very small capital. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what do you have then? You know, like I'm really all about risk free. You know, you can build a business risk free. I've never really had to take, uh, you know, I live with no debt. Like I live in a beautiful home, no debt. Uh, I'm at business. I've never taken out a loan or anything like that. You know i pretty much it's very asian mentality like you buy what you can afford you know so if i can't pay for something in cash like i don't buy it
0: right
1: you know and i would i went to mba school and they teach you how to leverage your you know assets all this stuff i'm like you know that's great for somebody else but for me like i i want to live a life where if i go somewhere for two weeks or two hours or two years i don't have to worry about anything right That's you know. So I've always lived under my means, um, and which is a kind of a bizarre thing in America. For most of us immigrants, it's common sense, but uh, in America, apparently, that's not you know popular or trending.
0: Right. Wow. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Victoria, for all that you've done and what you're continuing to do. And I know a lot of people will get benefits from this. The link will be available in the show notes so that they can be able to quickly access it if they want to tap in and, you know, make sure that they stay connected with you. And if there's one way they can connect with you directly, what options do they have available?
1: Yeah, just go to victoriawick.com. So it's victoria, W-I-E-C-K.com. And uh, you'll you'll get to see my books, my uh, free webinars, and uh, my TV appearances and uh you know what i love people i love people and you know i love like anybody and everybody you know one of the things that i'm really known for is my curiosity you know i love cultures like if all you want to do is talk about food or something it's fine like i i love that you know i i crave that actually you know not being able to travel and getting to know people but you know i just love to connect with you guys and you know just come on over and you know you'll meet some amazing people as well and um But again, thank you so much for inviting me to, you know, share my story. And um, I think you're doing amazing work, enlightening your audience about, you know, all the different uh, ways people have succeeded.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The pleasure is all mine. And I definitely look forward to bringing you back here so you can let people know more. And definitely, I'm sure they're going to reach out to you as well.
1: Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much, Victoria. Till we meet again.